You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Special shout out to Malcolm back there, who is being the co-pastor with me at Renew Church for the last four years or so, and Mabel, his wife, Tim, and now Wandi, and Mel, and Mary. Thank you for... for oh, and Neil. Uh, so there's a few people from Renew here this morning. Um, so I wanted to chat about Revelation, partly because um, it's a great book to talk about, and partly because I had a sermon that I gave a couple of weeks back to another church, and it's a really good... Uh, it's a really good book, and this is a really good letter for the church in Australia. This is a, a photo um, that was taken a few years back that I, I really like. Nicole and I were travelling and we were in Africa and we were on a safari and every morning uh, we had cooks who would make food and they would chuck the, the leftover food on the ground and all these birds would flock down and um, eat the rice that's there or whatever was chucked out. And uh, there's an odd one out in that photo. So I don't know whether you can notice. Can, can anyone see what the odd one out is? Which one's that? There's a yellow bird. Yep, that's kind of odd. That's not quite there. But even more so, there is this squirrel standing in there. And he would duck forwards and, uh, and grab the food too. Very cute odd one out. And I guess um, Revelation 3 has a letter which talks about how a follower of Jesus stands out and looks different from the crowd. And that's, that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about today. Uh, so Revelation is a pretty unusual book. It's very hard to understand, isn't it? It's full of unusual visions. But it's really about encouraging persecuted Christians to stand firm in their faith, being willing to stand out and be different from other people. It's an odd book. Um, I just wondered, what do people know about the book of Revelation? Who wants to shout out and share something they know about the book of Revelation? What comes to mind when you think of this book? It's the last book of the Bible. Excellent. Yep. It does. It says early on in the book that there's a special blessing for anyone who reads this book, these words. The ending is very good for us. It is, isn't it? There'll be no more suffering and tears it has at the end. Yes, it's a book which is apocalyptic literature full of prophecy and visions that at first glance don't make a lot of sense. So that's, um, that's a good summary that everyone's given. The only thing I'd add to that is it's a book that was written by, it was the last book of the Bible written, and it was written by the disciple John, uh, who was a follower of Jesus and uh, but it was written 60 years or so after the death of Jesus and his resurrection. And it's these series of bizarre visions. Um, most of you probably have seen or read some of Revelation. There's all these unusual, bizarre visions. But there are these first three chapters at the beginning of the book that are letters, seven letters to seven churches. And they're a little bit easier to understand. And so what we're looking at uh, today is the letter that was written to a church in a place called Laodicea. So the letter itself was written 1900 years ago and you can see the ruins of Laodicea there. It's a, it was a city in modern-day Turkey. And so you wonder well, what's the connection between Laodicea and modern-day Australia? But actually, although they look quite different, in a lot of ways 
The letter written to the church in Laodicea is very, very relevant to the church in Australia today. It starts off with uh, Jesus saying these words to the church. Pretty harsh words, aren't they? I know all the things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. It's a pretty harsh way to start a letter. Just imagine if Jesus wrote those words to us. Not words I would want to hear. Has a nice start, that letter. So, let's start with the days that hypothetically you can fry an egg on the ground. How are you describing your drink? How does it make you feel? Very good. It's refreshing, isn't it? On a hot day, there's nothing like a refreshing cold drink. Now let's have a change in temperature. Who would like this warm flat wine that I prepared earlier? Anyone miss their morning coffee? So I want you to imagine it's a really freezing cold day. You've been out in the ice. You're coming in, you're having your coffee. How does it feel? It's warming. Comforting, isn't it? All right, who's having a third drink? Anyone want a third drink? <laughs> Come on. I got here some muddy, lukewarm water that Simon scooped up for me earlier today. Drink anyone? Okay. Just water and dirt. <laughs> Soil, yes. Um, so we sometimes think about hot being good and cold being bad. That's kind of how we're, we're taught to think in, in our language. Hot's good, cold's bad. But in the letter we just read, it's not meant to be thought about like that. A hot, hot is good. A hot drink brings warmth and comfort. Cold is good. It brings refreshment, hydration. It's the in-between stuff that's not good. That warm, lukewarm water that's not good at all. Good for nothing. It's useless. The same applies, though, not just to drinks, but to faith. We want to have a hot faith, faith that brings warmth and comfort to people. Or we want to have a cold faith, faith that brings refreshment 
nourishment, hydration. What we don't want is that lukewarm faith that's useless, good for nothing. So this, this letter was written to the town Laodicea there. You can see it on the map. And uh, this was a, a town well known in the ancient Roman world with two other nearby towns that were also well known with Hierapolis a bit north and Colossae a bit to the east. Now Hierapolis was a town that was really well known and famous because it had warm springs. Beautiful, nice warm springs on a cold mountainous day. Getting in those springs is, is perfect. In fact, uh, I remember a few years ago travelling with Nicole and we found some hot springs in this place called Banyos. And it's, uh, it's beautiful. Who's, who's been in hot springs before on a cold day? Nothing better than that, isn't it? You don't want to get out, do you? You want to stay in that water. Then a bit south of it, there's Colossae, the other city near Laodicea. And you'll probably know Colossae because it's the city where the church of Colossae was. The letter to the Colossians was written to the church there in Colossae. But that's not why it was famous in the ancient Roman world. It was well known back in those days because it had beautiful, clear, fresh water from a freshwater stream that ran through it. So these two places near Laodicea, Hierapolis, famous for its warm hot springs, Colossi, well known for its cold, fresh, clean, spring, sparkling water. And then, right near it, there's Laodicea. Now, Laodicea had no natural water supply. Instead, it had pipes, which piped water in from the nearby rivers. And the water that came to Laodicea was that dirty, lukewarm water that no one's going to want to drink. But it's all they had. So when Jesus said, I wish you were hot or cold, but no, you're lukewarm water, so I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus was speaking a language that the Laodiceans understood. They knew what he was talking about. They knew the difference between hot and cold and lukewarm. In other words, their faith was lukewarm. It was not refreshing. It wasn't comforting. It didn't bring any good to anyone. It was a useless faith. And that's why he was going to spit it out of, them, out of his mouth. Because lukewarm water, think about it, when you have a drink of water or you mix it in with something, it makes no impact. It doesn't change anything for the better. And Laodicean Christians blended into society. They didn't change it for the better. They didn't stand out in any way. They relied on their wealth, on their health just like everyone else in Laodicea did. That was what was important to them. And I wonder, is that like us today? We don't stand out, maybe. So Jesus said to the church there, you say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. Because the Laodicean church was rich. The people there were well off and wealthy. In fact, they were so wealthy that a few years earlier, there had been a major earthquake and the whole town had been levelled. And the Roman Empire offered them money to rebuild it. And they said, no, we don't need it. We're rich enough. They relied on their own wealth to rebuild their town. That's how rich they were. They also had a famous medical school uh, and famous healthcare and this eye ointment business. They exported this eye, eye ointment all around the Mediterranean, throughout the Roman world, and it was meant to cure people from blindness. So they were well known for their medical school. 
That was partly why they had money. The other reason they were rich is they had a really thriving fashion industry. So in Laodicea, they weaved clothes that they sent around the Mediterranean world as well. And they were well known for this industry. And it brought them in lots and lots of wealth. So Laodicea was really a great place to live. Wealthy, rich. But Jesus said, Don't you realise that you're wretched? You're miserable? You're poor? You're blind? You're naked? So they thought they were rich. But he's telling them they're poor. They thought they had the best medical care money could buy. And they had this ointment that would cure their blindness. But Jesus told them they were blind. They thought they had the best clothes in the Roman world. And Jesus told them they were naked. Like their piped water that came into their city, they were lukewarm in their faith. So although they were rich materially, they were poor spiritually. Although they had great health care, great eyesight, they were blind spiritually. And although they had great clothes to wear, they were naked spiritually. They were spiritually dying. And Jesus was going to spit them out of his mouth. Could he have said anything harsher than that? Sounds like the church in Laodicea didn't look any different from society in general. If an outsider came into Laodicea, could he, could he have looked at, the, looked at the town, seen the church, realised the church was different? Or would he have seen the church that looked identical to everything around him? You probably heard, um, or maybe you said it, or maybe someone said it about you. You probably heard someone say, it's just something different about him when they're talking about a Christian person. And they usually say that in a positive way because that person doesn't get angry, doesn't swear, treats people kindly, doesn't cheat. You've probably heard that said before. That's what we're meant to look like as a church. We're meant to be different from our society. We're meant to stand out and be different. We're meant to be peacemakers in a society that values violence. We're meant to be merciful in a society that values vengeance. We're meant to not focus on money or fashion or status, even when society around us focuses on all those things. We're meant to be different, we're meant to look different. And the Church of Laodicea was failing at that. It's a question we should ask ourselves in Australia today. What about the Church in Australia? Are we looking different the way we're meant to? I think we live in a place that's a lot like Laodicea. We live in a, it's a great time to live, isn't it? We've got material wealth, we've got prosperity, we've got excellent health care. This is a good time to live. We live in a city that's a lot like Laodicea, though. Think about these, these questions. How, how large is your wardrobe? How large is my wardrobe? It's a walk-in. It's quite large. How big is my TV or my media room? Think about all those things. We've got a lot, don't we? Now, they're not bad, of course. Wealth isn't a bad thing. Health's not a bad thing. We all want to be healthy. It's nice not to have to worry about bills. So they're not, it's not a bad thing, being wealthy and healthy. But when they become our goal, when wealth and health and, and status become our goal, that's when there's a problem. Because that changes who we are as people. 
we stop relying on God and we start relying on other external things and we stop remembering Jesus. So like Laodicea, here, we're, we're at risk. We are the sort of people living in the sort of society who can very easily find wealth and very easily lose God. So it's a challenge for us today, this letter. When we look like everyone else, it's time to start thinking, is there a problem? So this is a question we should all be thinking about in our daily walk with Jesus. Because remember, Jesus wanted us to be a light that shines in a dark world. Remember, he said these words, you are the light of the world. And let your light so shine before everyone so they can see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That's meant to be what we look like. If we're not living out that vision to be a light to the world, then we're not fulfilling the purpose God's given us. And so it's a daily question. It's a lifelong question each one of us should ask and the church as a whole should ask. Am I living out my life as a light for Jesus? Do I look different from the society around me? So this letter to Laodicea is really a message calling them to change. It's a call to be different. There's a beautiful image of Jesus in there, knocking at the door. And that's, that's the call, he's knocking. And change, of course, it's a core part of the Christian faith, isn't it? We all came from a place of sin, and we all came rebelling from God, and we're called to change. That's part of being a Christian, repenting, turning around, letting God guide us instead of our own selves guide us. So it shouldn't be that hard for us to change. This is what Jesus said. Be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Isn't that a beautiful image? You share a meal with someone who's family. Jesus is asking us to be family to him. To the one who's victorious, I'll give the right to sit with me at my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. It's a beautiful invitation, isn't it? It's also an important call to account there's responsibility on our part to open that door, to have Jesus come and sit in with us, to let him in, allow him in. So when we respond to Jesus, if we respond to him, even if we're poor, we can be rich, rich spiritually. Even if we've got poor health, trouble with our eyesight, we can see spiritually. And even if we don't have the greatest clothes to wear, we can be clothed spiritually. That's, that's the message to Laodicea, and that's the message to us. So let's not be like the church in Laodicea. I don't know if it changed after this or not, but we don't need to be like that. We have a God who can help change us if we let him. With his grace, we can be people who are different, who stand out, who are that light to the world.